All right, what do you think? All right. We found a, a few brave souls to do those interviews, and uh, if you're not satisfied with how you came out, trust me, I didn't want that much FaceTime in there. If you are, bro, come to Christian folks. You know, we are, are critics of ourselves, but I think people get a glimpse of, of what this place is about. One of our best assets is when people finally do come and visit, and they leave, and they're like, wow, it, it's the people. You know, it's how the people are together, and... and Video still doesn't capture that 100%, but it shows a little bit of what that's like. And so we're hoping that this can help encourage people because Google is the new front door to church. Okay? They move into an area or they feel convicted or whatever, and they, they Google Church Itasca. We're the first ones that pop up when you do that. They go to the website, they click it, they want to know what it's like, and, and they're going to see Kim crying on there. Okay? Right? <laughs> and me mumbling. Um, okay, we want to do um, another reason why I wanted to show that this week. Um, by the way, that is on the website. On the front page, there's pictures that scroll, and one of them says, watch our video. That's one way to get it. Or go down to sermons, click it, and the little submenu that opens up, it says videos there. So under sermons, there's video. You click that, and it's in there, okay? And I think there's another one, like, from the relaunch or something. There's a couple videos there, all right? Um, so encourage you to show that to friends and, and show that to people who are looking for a church, okay? Um, another reason why I wanted to show you that is to just encourage you guys. It's encouraging when I see that um, because it's not, it's not a fake video. It's not like they edited it to look like we're having fun, you know? It's not like they pieced it together to look like the sermon was biblical or that the people love being together. That's what it's like. They just, they hit record and that's what they captured because that's what the church is, and that's great. And I want to encourage you that uh, our church is, is an encouragement to me. And there are a lot of things to commend our church for. Uh, there are a lot of other pastors that I know of that they're in churches, and I'm like, I'm wondering why they're still there. Okay, I'm not in that predicament. Um, but that doesn't mean we don't have things to work on. Right? And... Um, what I'm calling the series is basic because sometimes we get really good at certain things and then we may start getting sloppy on some of the basics, some of the basic things about Christianity. So to start us off, I want to talk not about religion or Christianity or faith. I just want to talk about something mundane, something just normal that we all, most of us can, can relate to. Okay, You have the opportunity to teach a new driver, maybe a teenager maybe someone who just got out of their fear of never leaving the house or whatever it is. Someone has never driven before, and you're going to teach them how to drive. I want to hear from you, okay? What are the basics that you're going to teach someone when you're teaching them how to drive a car? Let's just say it's not even manual. It's just an automatic sedan, okay? What are the basics? Just, just throw it out to me. What are the things that they, you have to cover this for them to drive to drive safely? What's that? Where the brake? <laughs> Where the brake is? Okay. Brakes, plural. Adjusting the mirrors. Uh huh. Shout it out when you get it. Okay. 
Okay. If I misspell anything, it's because I'm doing it on purpose, all right? Um, both hands. Hey, if both hands are on the wheel and the wheel is a clock, where are your hands? All right. All right. Unless you're a gangster, then it's just like 12, right? What is it? CD of worship music. That's like way down here, but that's, that's good. CD worship so when you, oh, I'm getting lost in this song. No. Um, okay, anything else? Okay, that's a good thing. Eyes on road. What, what? What, what? Prindle, what is that? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I, all right. Uh, yep. Shifting. I'll put that in quotes because it's, it's an automatic car, but you still got to move, you know, so you still got to put it in drive and, and whatnot. I heard a couple other. Check the tires. Check the tires? Okay. You don't want them too low. Yeah, gas. I'm going to just squeeze these in here. Rick, it looked like you had something. Okay, adjusted seat. Was that kind of what you were? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. All right, so here are some things. If we were to rank them, we might see something switch. Adjusting the seat may be a little bit lower than eyes on the road, right? Um, uh, both hands on the wheel might be a little bit different from adjusting the mirrors or whatever. And, and so if we were to rank them, we'd move them. But we would, we would see that we have a list, we have uh, some basics. This isn't, you know, how to steer out of a hydroplane. This isn't how to, you know, this isn't drifting in a parking lot, uh, you know, whatever. How to um, attach a hitch and tow someone out of trouble. No, this is just basic. You just want to go to the store. You just want to drive. And these are the things you need to know. You, you have to have brakes that work. You have to know where the brake is. You have to know how to press the brake, okay? Get off the gas. You need to know how to fill the gas up or make sure that you have gas, how to read that thing that tells you there's gas in the car. You know, you have to have your hands on the wheel and uh, things like that, okay? So these are the basics. Now, as you mature as a driver, you might start leaving some of these things behind. Now, I'm guilty of that sometimes. You know, when I, I preach at a retreat, two weeks ago, and because we had some flooding at the house, Tina had a skedaddle, and I was left behind. So my mother-in-law, because we were in Indiana, she lived close by, she dropped off her car, and then someone else drove her back, and I drove her car home. Now, this is like a nice car, and it's got any way you want to adjust it, you want it to, you know, cross your legs for you, and, you know, be, I mean, it's like 15-way adjustable seats and everything, right? I didn't want to touch any of it. I didn't want her to come back to a car where, like, the seat is over here and, and the mirrors are sideways and, and just the headache of readjusting all of that. So I didn't do it. And so I had to do that to look in the mirror a little bit, but it wasn't too bad. Um, but that wasn't probably the safest thing. 
I could have done. If I was following these strictly, I would have said, no, no, she lent me the car, and she'd want me to be safe. I'm going to adjust the mirrors, okay? Um, maybe we go from holding the wheel like this to holding the wheel like that to holding it like this to doing this, you know, while we're eating. There's all kinds of habits that we develop that are bad habits, right? We leave, if you leave the basics behind, it doesn't matter if you know how to spin a car. It doesn't matter if you know how to dive in and out of lanes, whatever, you know. If you leave these behind, you become an unsafe driver. And you become a worse driver, right? Now, the same applies for Christianity. Now, I'm going to ask you the same question. Someone is in your life, and they just gave their life to the Lord. They just became a Christian, but they've got no background. They didn't grow up in church. They didn't, they didn't have a preacher for a dad, or they, they didn't grow up Catholic or Baptist or anything. They, they don't know what Christianity is like, but they understand the very basic gospel, and they gave their life to Jesus Christ. But now what? Now, now, now what? How do I get the car going? You know, what are the basics that a Christian needs to know? And it's in your lap for whatever reason. Okay, you are going to meet with this person and you're going to explain to this child, this man, this woman, you're going to explain to them what are the basics of Christianity? What are the things that you need to do if you love Jesus Christ and you're going to follow him as a follower? What are the basics that, that it's not you wait till you become a veteran or mature Right off the bat, these are the things that you, that you start with. These are the basics. These are the foundational building blocks. What do we got? Read your Bible every day, okay? What else? Prayer? Okay. I'll put con- con- repentance and confession. Fellowship. Fellowship, okay, meeting with other believers, right? That's the Christianese for community. Grace, learning about grace, continuing to learn about grace. What else in terms of practices, Christian disciplines, Christian things that we do to develop spiritually praise okay i'll put praise worship okay i'll put evangelism telling others about christ okay anything else we want to put up there this is basic rick what's that now Serving God. Okay, so serving in the body, finding some place to serve in the body. Okay. Okay. Confess your sins. Boom. Right there. Anything else? Relationships with, with whom? With God. Okay. This, yeah, these are developing those things. We're developing our relationship with God through prayer, through reading the Word. Is there anything else to, to help develop our relationship with the Lord? Anything else we want to add up here before I... Okay, so, so the discipline of self-examination. Okay. 
these are these are good. These are basic building blocks. Okay, if you've been around church long enough, if you've been reading the Bible long enough, it doesn't take very long to start realizing, okay, these are the basic things. This is what every Christian should be about. This is what a Christian does. If I asked you, we asked about a driver, I could have put basketball player. You'd be like, dribble, shoot, you know, lay up, pass, receive a pass, teamwork mentality, okay? We can talk about uh, how to mow a lawn. Josh can come up here now and start putting stuff up here and, um, you know, and, and start putting stuff up there about how to prep the mower and how to start it. How to do the lines. Maybe you do a different pattern the next week, okay? There's basics to everything. And when you think of mowing the lawn, there's basics that you should think of. When you think of driving a car, there's basics that you think of. When you think of playing basketball, there's fundamentals. And when you watch a game and they're like, this guy has lost his fundamentals. You know, this guy's a good player. He's not flashy, but he knows his fundamentals, right? And when we think about being a Christian, there's certain fundamentals, now, there's a lot of stuff that we can add here as someone grows in Christianity. But just like with the driver's list, when you start leaving these behind, you become a worse driver. When you start leaving some of these behind, you become a worse Christian. And when a bunch of Christians start leaving these things behind, you become a worse church. John wrote a letter. John wrote a an uh, apocalypse is called the revelation and before he gets to really like the cryptic bowls that open up and the and the seals that have to get broken and there's beasts with horns and there's locusts and there's people being eaten alive and the things are coming out of the ocean and all kinds of weird stuff god jesus tells john he dictates to john seven letters to seven churches and he gives them things that he commends them for and things that he goes, this, this, is, this is what you need to fix. This is something I need you to work on. And as I've been praying about our church and I wanted to take a break from preaching through Matthew and do a little something different for a little bit, I thought, okay, if Jesus were to write us a letter like that, what would he say? What would it look like? In fact, one of these seven letters, do one of these seven letters look like it could really, like we can really use a walkthrough of that letter. And I think there is. I want, to, I want you to turn with me to the book of Revelation. It's the last book in the Bible. Last book in the Bible. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, can you lift your hand up? And Andy will throw you one from across the sanctuary. Hardcover. Okay, the book of Revelation. Not Revelations, plural. It's all one big revelation that John got. And part of that revelation was seven letters to seven churches. Jesus communicating to these churches what he likes and what he wants them to work on. And we're going to look at the first letter. It's the letter to the church in Ephesus. You've read the book of Ephesians. We've, I've preached from there. Um, that book of Ephesians was Paul's letter to this church. But this is another Ephesians. You know, we could call it second Ephesians, but it's written by John, dictated verbatim from jesus christ himself so chapter 2 verse 1 let's look at this letter to the church in ephesus so the angel of the church in ephesus write here's here's where the dictation starts the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand 
and who walks among the seven golden lampstands. These represent the seven churches that Jesus wants to address. Okay? Each church has a lampstand, so to speak. The light is on. You know, when you see someone, you're like, uh, the person's walking around, but there's no light on. You know, he, there's churches that the light's not there. He's saying these are seven churches with seven lampstands because the light is on, because Jesus is there. He's in the center of things. And he says, verse 2, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, your work, your labor, and how patiently you endure through suffering, through trials, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil and have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary. You have not gotten tired after all these battles, after all these false teachers you had to kick out of church, after how the government is not making it easy for you to have a church and to be Christian, how Ephesus is corrupt and you guys are trying to be a shining light in a hill. That's toil and that's hard and you're enduring it patiently and I, and I commend that. This is all positive. Jesus loves that they do this. Later in verse uh, 6, he says, You have this, you hate the work of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So that's probably, we don't know a lot of detail on them. There's not a lot of historical evidence about who the Nicolaitans were. But they were some sect, some religious cult that taught something different from the gospel. And they hated that. And just like he just recommend, commended them for, so they, they weren't putting up with people that were evil. They weren't putting up with people that were trying to, remember when Jesus was in the boat with the disciples, said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. It's going to come when people come and try to sneak bad teaching into a church. Well, you guys stomped them out like roaches, and that's great. That's great. Jesus loves that. And we talk, you know, Jesus prays for unity in the church, remember? And we mentioned that, that he prays for that in John 17, but he also said in Matthew, I came to bring a sword, and the sword divides. And if you're not on this side of the line, you're on that side of the line. And that's throughout the whole Bible. Um, Moses came down from the mountain and he drew a line in the sand. He's like, everybody who's with God on this side and everyone who's not on that side. And then everyone who didn't cross, he gave these guys sword and told them to go into that camp and kill all the ones who didn't cross. That wasn't very like politically correct. But there's an in and there's an out. And within the in, we need to maintain unity. That's great. But we need to define what in and out is. And Jesus is saying, you guys drew the line hard. And people that crossed the line theologically, crossed the line doctrinally, you guys took care of that. And that's great. And I think a lot of churches today don't do this well. They might get the opposite commendation. Their rebuke would be, you guys are blurring the lines. You guys want to increase your membership, so you're just letting everybody in. Um, membership class is just like, do you promise to give us money? Yes. Well, you're a member. No, nothing about doctrine. Nothing about what, what really matters, what's important. Um, in this church, I sometimes feel the temptation to, you know, water things down just to make things easy. But no, no, let, let's, let's be theologically correct. I wonder sometimes if John thinks I'm just a pain in the neck when he sends me a song. And I'm like, eh, I wonder about that part. And sometimes I'm like, maybe I'm being a little too picky. Okay, okay. But my antenna are up because I want to make sure that we're saying what's true and we're being true to what we're saying, right? And so I think this church would be commended for that. Um, someone was telling me recently that they appreciate the fact that not just everybody becomes a member, 
the second time we see their face and we hand it out like bulletins. Most churches, their membership role is larger than their attendance. Why is that? Because they just hand it out. Here you go, membership. Our church, our membership is lower than our attendance. Why? Because not everybody gets to be a member. There's a vetting process. And we don't want you to jump through hoops just for the sake of hoops. We want to make sure you understand what's true and that you're faithful to it. So this is what they get commended for. I think we would be commended for that. Then he moves on. Not every church got bad news, but this one got a, something on the negative list, on the con list. He says, verse 4, But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. What happened to that tree of life in the Garden of Eden? It got blocked off when Adam and Eve sinned. And somehow it's transferred to a place that we can't see, that we can't touch, until we get there in Christ. And then we get to eat from that tree and gain eternal life again. In the meantime, we're supposed to worship in a certain way on earth until we get to paradise, right? And it's going to be tough because there's temptations, there's all sorts of conflicting things that are going to tear you away from worship, tear you away from what's ultimately important. And even though in heaven... We're not going to have that job that we spend 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week toiling over. That job's going to be history. That company you work for is going to be gone. Okay? The sports team you watch is going to be obliterated. Okay? A lot of the things that we spend our time doing is not going to be in the paradise of God. And while we're looking toward the paradise of God, we're supposed to be about those things. And what Jesus is saying is you've got doctrine down real tight. Now look, here, none of us put understand doctrine completely. Be able to teach systematic theology. None of us put that there, but we're good at it. You've got a pastor with multiple degrees. We have classes. We're going to sign up for an apologetics course. Okay, we can, A lot of us can lead Bible studies. That's awesome, but none of us put that there. See, these guys are good at something that's not on the board. And it's a good thing. It's good that they're good at it. But he says, you've lost the love you have at first. Now, when you first become a Christian, what do you do? We just put it on the board. And so he says, I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. That's why I wanted us to put things that you do the works that you do when you're in love with Christ, when you're passionate for Him, that you pursue Him, these are the things that you do, right? So when He's telling them, you've abandoned that first love, He's not saying, I can just tell, I can just tell in your faith when you worship that you just don't love me that much anymore. No, He's saying actual practice, things that you did, that you spent time doing, you don't spend time doing anymore. Or things that you did with great effort or great intensity, with great uh, enthusiasm, you don't do them with that intensity anymore. And so they've become less frequent and they've become less intense. 
and I need you to go back there. He tells him, remember the height from which you've fallen. How many of us in here, if we were to draw a timeline and like a bar graph of our spiritual fervor, spiritual intensity, spiritual passion for Jesus, how many of us would have the highest peak behind us in the timeline? I think a lot of us. I think a lot of us. Many of us, our high peak would be like when we first met Christ and we got passion, we want to get involved and we want to get in, in, in church and we, want to, we start reading the Bible and you start understanding and you realize, wow, now that you have the Spirit indwelling you, it's not gibberish, you can read it and it, it makes sense. You don't have to go to seminary, you can just look at it and, and the, the Spirit is teaching you things and it's so exciting and then after a while, okay, I get it. And then after a while it wanes and if you were to pick your highest spiritual point that you've ever experienced, a lot of us would be looking back on it. And that's exactly what he's telling them. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Remember from where you have fallen. And so what's the response? It's to repent. Notice he doesn't say, remember where you were from, remember how, you, how it was, and go back to it. Well, he does want them to go back to it. He says, do the works you did at first. But he doesn't say, remember from where you have fallen and do the works. He says, remember from where you have fallen Repent and do the works. So guys, this, this strikes us on the individual level, but it, it also as a church. Individuals need to do these things so that a church can thrive in these areas. Right? I mean, if we're not doing them as individuals, we're not going to be doing them as corporately. And so what I want to do in this series, and we're going to close in a couple of minutes, um, what I want to do in this series is I want to, unpack a couple of these okay we're not going to do all of them but i'm going to unpack a couple of these and i want us to get back to basics i see churches all over the world in korea in south america in africa and they're exploding they're exploding and they have prayer services and they have they do so, so many extra mile things where we'd be like well we're too we're busy americans we can't do that well then have a dying church then I mean, I really sense in my spirit that if we're too comfortable in church, we could just get by with just doing church. And we make excuses, right? Because the other things we're doing are cool. We work out, you know, we go play golf. We're not going off and hanging out in clubs. We're not cheating on our spouses. We're doing nice things. We're doing things with our kids. We're teaching them how to play sports. We're dropping them off at camps. We're dropping them off at games. Trust me, I know, I know, you know. And as soon as one game is over, you've got to go to the other one, and they want to sign up for another club, and you've got to draw the line somewhere. We're torn in so many different directions, but in parts of the world where they have not a lot of other things to do, church is exploding. And I just don't think we can come here and ask God to expand this church and increase our influence in this community if we're not going to get back to that first love some of us maybe don't look back to any high peak and we never really had a first love. It was always like an okay, you know. Let's get to it. Let's find that. Let's discover that. Um, I grew up in a, in a, for some years in a Pentecostal church where they taught that you get a second blessing, right? Where you come and you get saved, but you don't get power until later. Okay, I don't believe that. I believe power is accessible as soon as you get saved. The Holy Spirit doesn't 
partially indwell you, split himself in half. He fully indwells you when you become saved. But I do believe that many of us, we come in and we don't experience that radical abandon that every Christian should have. Some of us had it and we left it behind. Some of us, maybe we missed it somewhere. And what I want us to do in the next few weeks is to unpack a little bit. Let's take some of these one at a time and talk about how we can get back to our first love for those things. I want it to be a positive series, not a spanking series. I want it to be a series that's like, if this is so awesome, let's do it. If this is so great, let's do it. Let's do it as a church. Let's do it together. Let's block out our calendars and make sure we're committed to that individually on our own. Let's mark a time throughout the week, throughout the day, that we can block things out and do it. And I think the Spirit is going to give us the grace to do that. And if we're thriving in the basics, I think God will take care of the rest. God will take care of the rest, but we need to thrive in the basics. I want to ask the worship team to come forward. And as we get ready to worship and, and close in the song, um, I just want us to do this first one. Right? Self-examination. As we're getting ready to sing this song, as we sing this song, you might, you might be great in some of those, but the Spirit is, is, is pointing at you on one or two of those and saying, How, you know, this is what it is to be a Christian. Why, why are you not doing this? Then your mind is going to be filled with excuses. Phase two, the battle toward repentance. First, the Lord shows you what it is that he's trying. He's, I have this against you. Maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's fellowship. You're not really engaged with other believers. Uh, you serve a lot. You serve a lot, but you're not connected. Or you're really connected, but you don't have time to serve. Uh, you love church, but you just don't love non-church folk. And so you don't evangelize. That's for other people. Any one of these could be one where the Lord is, is, is pricking at your heart. And phase two, phase two is the excuses. Well, I don't have time. Well, that's not my gift. Well, I'm not good at it. Well, I don't know anybody. I tried talking to my neighbor. Squash those. Squash those. God wouldn't require something if there were excuses for it that were legit. Let's just kill that American, consumeristic, comfortable, church is just nice, and then the rest of the time is for me. Let's stop tithing 10% of our time, tithing 10% of our money, tithing 10% of our thoughts, tithing 10% of our day, and keeping the rest of the 90% to ourselves. That was never the biblical intent behind the tithe. The tithe is to teach you that all of it is his, and to force you to have that discipline of giving him so that you realize all of it is his. All your time is his. All your energy is his. All your talents, every contact, every person, every neighbor you meet is divinely appointed by him. So we need to surrender that to him. Um, as we worship, uh, open, let's open our hearts to what he has to say to us and let's repent. Let's repent. I want to lead us in a prayer of repentance real quick and then we'll start. Father, we confess that there are various things on here, or maybe at least one, that really sticks out at, at us. And as a church, we want to capitalize. We want to be these things to be our strengths. We want these things to be um, not basic things that we left behind, but things that still show that you are first in our lives and that we love you and that we're passionate for you. So we ask that you would, in the next few weeks, even now, that you would begin to Show us as we examine ourselves, you examine us, point out what's wrong, point out where we're 
week and help us to squash excuses, things that we think excuse ourselves and, and to squash those and give us the spirit of repentance. Help us to confess to you in our hearts what it is that we're struggling with and we ask you for help. We ask you for grace so that we can do better. Uh, as we close in this time of worship, help us to do that. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's stand and worship together.